Well, I'm going to be opening uh, this morning to Isaiah 9. Most of um, this morning uh, is going to be the story of my last couple weeks in Africa. Um, but I do want to start with reading Isaiah 9, a familiar prophecy about Jesus Christ coming to this earth. So this is Isaiah 9. In the future, he will bring honor to the way of the sea, to the land east of the Jordan, and to Galilee of the nations. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. A light has dawned on those living in the land of darkness. You have enlarged the nation and increased its joy. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. The dominion will be vast, and its prosperity will never end. He will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now on and forever. This passage in Isaiah predicts the advent of Jesus Christ. The advent is the coming. Isaiah has this global vision where every dark corner of this earth, every nation, tribe, tongue will be pierced with joy because a light will shine into a land of darkness because a child is going to come and he's going to reign on the throne of David forever and the prosperity of this king will never end. Unlike the kings and queens of our day that come and go, this king's prosperity will never end, this prophecy. And so Advent is a time for us that we live in between. We live, we look back on the coming of Jesus and we look forward to the return of Jesus and we live in this in-between time. And Advent for Christians is a time of longing. It's a time of, of like kind of, it's joy, right? It's joy because we know we've been saved from our sins, but there's also this, this like, oh, there's more. That, that feeling like, oh, God, come. God, come save us. Yes, you are the light shining in the darkness, but, but we look forward to that day when there will be no sun because the light will radiate from the throne of God. That's the light that we're longing for. And some of us during Christmas, we live in that, that period of, of longing. Christmas is often a hard time for people. Maybe you've, you've lost a loved one or you've gone through some trials and suffering this past year. And for you, Christmas is a time that's like, oh, this is hard. Well, Isaiah prophesies that a light will shine in this land of darkness. Last week, um, or a couple weeks ago, I visited people living in a land of darkness. And I saw this scripture fulfilled. And this morning, Veritas, um, I knew that coming back from Zambia, my topic was joy in the midst of death. And I was uh, supposed to give this great Advent message. And um, my heart is just burning up with what I experienced in Africa. And so I don't know if we're talking about the topic or not, joy in the midst of death. You can decide by the end of this sermon all I'm telling you is that if you came this morning hoping for a nice Christmas message 
And it's like going to an amusement park and, and like planning to do the kiddie ride. And then all of a sudden you realize you're on the roller coaster that's doing spins and, and flips and all that loops, all that stuff. That's the ride you're about to get onto. Because I'm going to share the story for the next 30 minutes of my experience in Zambia. A few months ago, Jeff Dodge, our teaching pastor, said, hey, do uh, you want to go to Zambia with me? This is, I, I, maybe it's longer than a few months ago. He's, you want to go to Zambia? Now, Jeff and I have been all over the world together. We've been to Morocco. We've been to the Dadian jungle in Panama. We've been to China, this Tibetan plateau in China. We've been to the Middle East together. But I knew that our relationship would not be complete unless I went to Zambia. This place is outside of Jeff's home. This is his first love. Like when Jeff dies, I'm going to be boarding a plane with a little box. And they're going to say, are you, what are you carrying? I'm going to say nothing. It's going to be Jeff's heart. I'm going to be taking it to Africa to bury it in Zambia. He loves Zambia. He's, this was like his 17th or 18th trip that he's been taking there. And so I knew that I had to say yes to Jeff. And in the weeks coming up to this trip, I was like, why did I say yes to Jeff? Why? I mean, these are some of the most exciting uh, weeks of ministry, missing baptisms and night of worship and all the exciting things happening. But uh, I felt like the Lord was saying to me, it's not Jeff that's taking you to Zambia. It's me. You know how Jesus is always pulling his disciples aside? He said, hey, there's something I want you to see. Maybe it's a widow putting in a little penny into the offering. He's always trying to draw our attention to something, or maybe there's crowds and amazing things happening, and he's like, hey guys, let's, we, need to, we need to get away. I feel like that's what the Lord was doing for me, and he was saying, Mark, there's something that I want you to see. Veritas. I want you to see what I saw. This morning, I want you to see it. I saw Jesus working in a thousand ways on our trip, but I want to show and share the most important thing, and he took me to one of the most remote areas of Africa to see it. I want to take you there this morning. Just a quick overview of our trip and the purpose of our trip. So, um, Cornerstone Church, with uh, Jeff's leadership, had started this Hope Children's Center. They have invested hundreds of thousands of dollars. They have invested so much time. So many people from Cornerstone have, have gone to this Hope Children's Center. Here's a picture of Jeff with some of the orphans. Um, there's a, a children's center that they started. It's on 15 acres of land. Uh, there's a, a training center there. The orphans gather for meals. They have they basically started a, uh, an agricultural development program where they, um, they grow their own fruit and vegetables and maize and corn, all that stuff. They grow it on the 15 acres, so it's kind of a sustainable model where, where they feed the orphans one meal a day and they provide partnering with a church in Omaha, Brookside Church, partnering to um, get uniforms for these children so they can go to school. 
There are caretakers that um, are also supported through this. Uh, Marlon Rice, next picture, um, does an agricultural training. So he's an expert in entomology. Uh, he's a professor at Iowa State, um, works and travels all over the world to train people, and he's using his gifts. This was his 18th trip. He had one more trip than Jeff. He held that over his head the whole time. And Marlon trains these pastors. These are pastors that have come from all over the the area of Zambia, all out through the valleys, through the bush, to come to be trained to learn the scriptures. So Jeff started a, a theological development program where these, these pastors can come, be trained over a period of three years. But also as part of that, Marlin comes to teach them agricultural practices to get, help them. Uh, it's basically all subsistence farming. If you ask what these people do for a job, they're farmers. They're pastors who don't make anything from their churches, and they farm. And they also, their families, most of these pastors that I talked to during our training have lost children. Um, they have taken in orphans. Many of them have, have orphans living with them. Uh, this young man right here, Sivan, this guy in the glasses, this young man, he's 27. And he told me, I was just getting to know him between sessions as we're, as we're talking. He said, um, I said, oh, tell me about, are you married? He said, oh, my wife she died in May. And, oh, that's, yeah, he said, yeah. And my, my, I had two kids, a four-year-old and a one-year-old. And my one-year-old I gave to my in-laws to take care of because I couldn't take care of them. And I gave him money to, to take care of my child. But, but, but he died under their care because they were taking the money and just using it for their own survival. Um, he's got one, he's got a four-year-old son uh, that is one story. All of these men have incredible stories listening to them uh, and teaching them. It was, it was such an honor to be with them, and they graduated. And so we were there um, to do their last training before their graduation, and it was a joy to participate with them. I want to show a video of them singing before one of our training sessions. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of reasons to clap throughout this time, but what an honor to be among such great men as they learned and, and uh, as Jeff taught them through the pastoral epistles. And, and by the end of the graduation, uh, we gave them all bikes, uh, sturdy bikes. That's, that's their lifeline to get the gospel out to the remotest parts of where they are. One of the pastors was blind and he came 12 hours through the through the jungle to get his bike. And uh, his wife was there because somebody's going to ride, someone's going to drive him and he's going to sit on the back and go from village to village to preach the gospel and plant churches. That was most of what we did there while we were there. But week number two, and this is where I want to spend most of our time this morning, sharing about our trip into the Luangwa Valley. This was a, a project to install a, a water system 
a water, uh, we set up, installed a 660-gallon water storage tank and provided some clean running water uh, to this remote area of Zambia. We were in Johannesburg, and Marlon Rice, uh, who, he's the guy from Cornerstone that Ryan Hamby affectionately calls the walking safari. This guy knows everything about everything. We're, we're driving in the van. He slams on the brakes, jumps out, and finds a little chameleon. And he picks it up and is like teaching us about a chameleon. He's talking about the trees and the land, everything. But this guy um, in Johannesburg, on our way there, he sits Ryan and I down in the airport and he says, guys, we're going into the valley in the second week. You don't have to go. Our contact there over the last few months has shot two leopards, a cheetah. A few weeks ago, he got sprayed in the face by a spitting cobra and almost went blind. It's very dangerous. The roads are uncertain. We don't know if we'll be able to get in there or to get out. The driver plans to come and drop us off on Monday and come back and pick us up on Friday, but there's no guarantee that he will come and we will be able to get out of the jungle, out of the bush. You can stay back if you want, but Jeff and I will be going into the valley and, and Bob Niehoff uh, from, from Cornerstone to set up this water system. And Ryan and I look at each other and we've got, you know, the butterflies in your stomach feeling? And we're like, we're going, we're going. We are going in. And, and knowing Marlon, there was not an ounce of like laughing or he wasn't joking at all. Like he was very serious about it. And come to find out, it was every bit as dangerous as he said. Here's the picture of the road going into the Luangwa. The name of this road is called, in their language, Bid Your Mom Farewell. <laughs> Two people have died of thirst walking on this road. The driver, our driver, has been driving on African back roads for 13 years. When we got to the village, he said, I will drop you off and I will never come back to pick you up. I have never been on a road this bad. We got stuck going downhill. I don't even know how that's possible. We got stuck going downhill, and this pastor, Navas Kalunga, this 68-year-old man that we, that we worked with, and he was kind of the, the gateway to this whole project in Zambia, he said, he said, we call this beyond the Great Commission. <laughs> okay, you have an African pastor that's planted 388 churches saying, where we are going is beyond every tribe, nation, and tongue. Like even Jesus didn't have these people in mind when he said every tribe, nation, and tongue. So that's not very reassuring. Well, at one point we get to the top before we descend into the valley, and I want you to see this video. Over here to more wilderness, all the way to 
There's not any evidence of a single seal for any humanity. This is total ruin. And God is sending in the background of his affirmation. This little path, the only way into this bush people is a 14-hour walk. It took us six hours in that land cruiser to get there. Here's a picture of Ryan overlooking the valley. And where we are going is there's a light spot in the very background where the sun is shining. That is where we're going. Those mountains in the distance are like 70 to 100 miles. Not a single farm plot, plot of land, no electric lines, nothing. This was some of the, the most fearful that I've ever been is where we were descending down one of these last roads and I was thinking to myself, yeah, we can get down this road. I have no idea how we will get out And I just, that fear of like, we are so far away. We have no satellite phones. Uh, The land cruiser, I'm like, well, at least we have a wench. And the driver goes, oh, no, we're missing the cord that, that for the wench. So if we get stuck, we can't even pull ourselves out. I mean, we, if we get bit by a snake, I mean, we are so far away from any kind of help. And I had that, that panic, you know, and I just felt like the Lord was saying, Mark, There's something deep into this bush that I want you to see. It's going to be okay. Surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And here was the light that I saw shining in the land of the darkness. His name is Joe Kalunga. This is us driving into the village. Joe Kalunga. I want to be like Joe Kalunga. This guy, here's a picture of him. He's, he's married. Uh, he lives back in the, the village Serenje where the Hope Children's Center is. He has four kids. One of his, his youngest son, Axe, uh, has severe special needs. Epilepsy, um, cerebral palsy. He has to walk, he, he drives, um, I don't know, it's about an hour, and then he gets out of a car and he walks on that road 14 hours to get to where he is now in this village. He's a teacher, he's one teacher, and he has 350 students up through eighth grade. All of his food he carries in with him. He had, uh, when we arrived in this little town, Kabansa, it's not really a town, it's just some mud huts in the bush called Kabansa. There were village children greeting us, and they were clapping and singing this song that they had composed, and 
we were asking, what does this mean? What does this mean in their language? Uh, he said, they are singing, God, come and see us. Come and see us. We are suffering like animals. Over and over, they repeated this. And then 20 women sang next, and their song was, we saw angels coming with buckets of water. We saw angels coming with buckets of water. They were singing this because this was the purpose of our project. There's only one water source in this area, and it's tucked into a hill, and it's, a, it's, a little, it's basically a little mud puddle. It's a mud puddle that's fed by a spring, and these women will walk from over two hours to get up into this, this little mountain area where they will draw buckets of water, put it on their heads, and they will carry it home. And in dry season, they have to wait in a long line, and the, the hole is often dry, so they have no water. Here's the picture, a video of, of them, and the, this is their source of water right here. There's a spring that comes out of there, and it feeds this little, this little hole. Most of the children um, have dysentery, all of them have worms and parasites, sicknesses. Um, it's very dangerous in that area because there's, when we got there, Joe is looking around in the trees and he says, be, be careful, we have cobras here. And they, they come to the trees. I mean, water brings people. It also brings animals of every kind. Um, and so it's very dangerous. Often these women are sexually assaulted even when they come up to get people will come out of the bush and, and grab them. And so Joe had an idea. His idea was, could we take the water from that spring and run it down like a, about a mile to this little school? And so here's a picture of these women. So he organized, got all these women to dig a mile-long trench. There's our trench that goes all the way down to the school from this spring. Bob and Marlon, Bob Neha from Cornerstone and Marlon Rice had worked with engineers trying to figure out how to take, get water from the spring down to this school. And so uh, Bob saw these, these ranchers in Wyoming and they used this thing called a well point. I'll show you a picture of that here. Um, there's a picture of a well point and so we put it in with, with some rocks underneath and the idea is this will filter the spring water and it will run down. And then about halfway down, uh, you can see this next video is the storage tank. Here's Bob. The water flows into the top and fills the tank up. When the tank flows, fills up, it'll... Okay, these people have never seen running water in their entire lives for however many thousands and thousands of years they've been on the planet. Many of these people have never seen running water. I don't want to show you this next video. This is when we hook the water up.
Here's a picture of the water. Um, so here we have Joe on the left, this, this man who's left his family and everything behind to be with these people, to teach them, to get them water. And there's Bob on the right who kind of figured out this whole water system. And Bob on the right, he said, he said at one point to Joe, he said, can I give you my resume? And Joe says, why? He goes, because someday in heaven I will be working for you and I want you to remember me because I'm gonna be serving you for eternity. You're gonna be a glorious prince and I want you to remember me. It was this beautiful picture and then the whole village gathered around this little water spigot and they had a ceremony for us before we got into the Land Cruiser and headed out. And I want just to show you the speeches and I'm gonna read them to you, but, but here's what happened next. The village gathered and they gave speeches. I'm going to read what she was saying. I wrote it all down in, in a transcript here of her speech. Carolyn Mwapi writes this, and this is what she said to us in broken English. Kindly receive our warm greetings. Previously, I mistook Jesus to a joker when he said, you have eyes but you can't see, you have ears but you can't hear. It has been fulfilled today for I can't believe what I can see and hear. How did this God avail to you the worst of challenge of Kalunga community faces? Is it not true that you brethren stay in America whose direction, distance, weather, no doubt, I will weather, cannot be determined by any of us here? But how come you have prioritized us you identify our challenge and solve it at huge cost. Brethren, kindly show us, or rather avail to us, your God. Please, please, and she said in her own language, Twapapata, teach us your God. He must be the Almighty God. This God is indeed great. We implore you at the same time to elevate your God at million times. Kindly carry with your own joyful and warm greetings to all the church in America. May our good Lord continue connecting us to you. Our prayer request is one, for us to know your God. Two, loosen the heart of our government to provide us with a clinic and the house of the medical attendant. To God be the glory. And then the next guy got up to give his speech. I'm going to read the rest of Sylvester's speech. He says, My humble appeal from you, brothers and sisters, is to echo more on and on our thunderous appreciation over the gift of life that has been donated to us. There is no answer to this question ringing in my head. 
why donating to us? Do we deserve God's glory regardless of not serving Him fully? How do we repay this magnificent gift? Blessed are those that gives. What of those that just receives? Fellow Christians, kindly do not leave us with this question. If this is how it feels to be in God's glory enjoying the fruits of this gift, then it is too sweet. You won't go back. We will give you land. Stay with us. Teach us your God. Brothers and sisters, I can fail my duty if I don't bring to your attention the roles that Joe and the family play to this area. There is unbearable hunger here with our almost impassable road. Nearly all the government's teachers refuse to settle in such remote places. But here is Joe, and we have come to experience God's blessing because of him. Joe has tried his best to teach both Christian morals and good human morals on our land. At this juncture, all come to congratulate his parent for bringing up such a son. God bless you, Reverend Kalunga. That's the old man, Novice Kalunga, that, that helped us start this whole thing, and he just ends with God bless you. And then the third and final speech is Nelson. Here's what Nelson Mwendalubi writes or spoke to us. Dear Christians from the USA, let God bless you abundantly for the gesture you have shown. Our joy as a church and community cannot be expressed as portrayed. We are so much happy that we can even make mistakes in our congratulatory remarks. The truth is, what we have seen today, or the first day we saw Brother Joe offloading water equipments, it sent us crazy. At last, only God saw in it. Our earthly government has failed us. Kindly go and greet all the people that participated in the donation, as well as prayers. Our church is not strong. Owing to the lack of leadership, most of us are not educated. We don't know how to read Therefore, we can't read the Bible. I am new in Christianity. I have not learned a lot. No wonder we lament the absence of Joe at times. Hope God will intervene on Joe's transport challenges as well as the being of his son, Acts, with cerebral palsy and epilepsy. Our church has a big number of widows, orphans, and vulnerables who are a challenge to the church to keep or rather assist Joe tried to introduce a feeding program, but due to circumstances beyond our control, it couldn't work out as planned. Its major purpose was to be feeding vulnerable and orphans at school so they can concentrate on the learning. Consequently, learn on how to read the Bible. More than three quarters can't read. We pray to our God that learning at Kalunga School can give us a generation that can be reading. Kindly consider this church. Visit us often, Lee though transport is a challenge, take our greetings to USA. God bless you. And after these speeches, step this young woman to give us a blessing. And she said, now may the God of Abraham, Isaac, and, 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 Bob! 
Marlon, Jeff, bless you. And here's what Marlon said in response, our final words to them. And then this final video of their response to this. <laughs> Bob looks at Marlon and says, what do we do with this? And Marlon says, we take it. It's the highest form of thanks in their culture and it's all they had to give us. Well, we stayed in tents, and that night it rained all night. I'd laid there, and I thought about the road. And I just thought about this road that we got stuck going down. And it was raining all night. Marlon wakes up and says to Jeff, no good morning, no, how did you sleep? The first words out of his mouth is, there's no way we're getting out of here. We jump in the, the Land Cruiser, we get on this road, and there's a point where we're, we're stuck, and we had a shovel, and we're trying to like build a road up this hill, and we're stuck, the tires are spinning, I mean, it's just burning rubber, and these tires are already not good tires, and, and I'm just like, I, I'm like, Lord, the only possible way we get out of here is if you help us. And the driver said, I need all of you to get behind the truck and push, which is terrifying because it's like spinning out rocks, you know, these little missiles. I'm like, I'm not standing back there. But then they realize it's our only way out of here. We all get behind. We're praying. We're trying to sing. And all of a sudden, the truck just goes boom, 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 and climbs right on out of here. And the chickens apparently got scared because here's what's happened next on the way home. This is Jeff. 
Jeff and Ryan were crammed into the back of this Land Cruiser for six hours on this road, bouncing around. And at one, at one point, the chickens poop all over. And Jeff's like, don't worry, don't worry. They pooped. But my sandal caught most of it. Mmm. So. <laughs> well, church, Merry Christmas. What do we do with this? I was not ready for heaven until this trip. Two reasons. One, these people are the most beautiful, joyful, hospitable, generous people you could ever meet. Their country with its exotic animals and waterfalls, and valleys, and mountains, is a taste of Zion and the glory that is to come. But number two, I've been trying to process this unanswerable question that haunts me as I go to bed every night and as I lived every moment on that trip was, why me? Why do they suffer and I prosper? Knowing what I know now, how can I now live with myself? Church, here's the answer to that question. To us, a child will be born for us. A son will be given to us and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. His dominion will be vast. Its prosperity will never end. He will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now on and forever. The only possible way I can process my experience in Africa is that judgment is coming. Judgment is coming. And I often hear Americans saying, oh, God is a God of love. He would never send anyone to hell. Like everyone just kind of gets swept into heaven. Well, you know, these people have a different problem. They don't have a problem with a God of justice and wrath because that's their life. Like God better be just. God better sort all of this out. How ethnocentric and arrogant of us in prosperity to say, oh, God is love. He doesn't, the wrath and justice part, he doesn't do that. Oh, but for them, the justice and wrath part is their hope that when they get to heaven, he will sort it all out. The Bible says righteousness and justice are the foundation of God's throne and we will stand before God and he will sort it all out. The suffering, that doesn't need to be my problem. God can sort it out. And we, 
in the coming days and weeks and months, we'll figure out what we need to do in response to this. That's not for this morning, but our response this morning is to look at Isaiah 9 and to see the advent of Jesus, not just that he came and he was born into our poverty, just like that guy Joe has kind of become incarnate to these people in the valley. That's what Jesus did for us. He came into our darkness and he brought us not just a spigot with water so we could fill a bucket. He came with living water. And this period that we live in between the advent of Jesus in Bethlehem to the return of Jesus, we live in this place of longing where we desire his return. We long for him to come back and sort it all out and these forgotten people will reign forever and ever in his kingdom. And I cannot wait to see Joe Kalunga in glory. I just even love how he was kind of dressed as a prince. I can't wait till he gets a new robe. There, Joe is going to be glorious. And I want to tell you what happened. We were, we had an opportunity to go to a waterfall called Condalila Falls. Joe, it's almost in his backyard. He's never been to Kundalila Falls. And so we took him there. And here's a video of what we saw. We were sitting there watching this beautiful waterfall, 250-foot waterfall. In this next picture, we're sitting there and we see this double rainbow. And the four of us, Jeff, Ryan, myself, and Joe are sitting there. And Ryan Hamby says, you know, in the Psalms, it says that God collects our tears and puts them in a bottle. Here's the verse, Psalm 56, 8. You keep track of all my sorrows. You've collected all my tears in your bottle. You have recorded each one in your book. And Ryan said, why else would God collect our tears unless he had a plan for them? What's he going to do with our tears? Go back to the Kundalila Falls picture, please. The, what's he going to do with our tears? And as we sat there and watched, Ryan said, I feel like this is what God is going to do with our tears. He's going to turn our sorrow into something so beautiful that we will sit and stare at it for hours. And Joe Kalunga says, my tears would be a bucket. And we just sat there in silence and watched this waterfall. Church, I don't know what suffering you're going through. The point of this morning is not, well, look how bad they have it. What do you have to cry about? No, God cares about your tears. He cares about every little thing. If God didn't care about the little things in our life, then he wouldn't care about anything because everything's small relative to who God is. God knows you, he cares about you, and one day he's going to turn it into something beautiful like a waterfall. The last image I wanna leave you with is, is something that Marlon did around the water spigot. Watch this video.
You guys, that to me was a picture of heaven. Something so precious that they cherished getting this water out of this spring and carrying it like two hours. Now, here's Marlin just wasting it, splashing them with it. And I thought about heaven and I thought about us like sitting around and God just in a moment of joy, just taking his grace and just like wasting it on us. And this is what Advent is about, church. It's about baby Jesus. He came to this earth to die on a cross for our sins. He conquered death. He rose from the dead. But it's a time of longing where we look forward to the day that is to come, the glory that is to come. And I hope that this Christmas, um, as we reflect on what Jesus has done for us, that he fills our hearts with just a longing to be with him and to see him. Let's, let's pray together. Jesus, you know that I'm still trying to make sense of what I experienced in Africa. Trying to think about my life and how it needs to change, how I need to be more like Joe Kalunga. How to be more like Jesus. And I pray for us uh, as we go through this Christmas season that we would just be filled with a longing to know you, to be with you. Jesus, um, I know that all the gifts that we're gonna get and give to our, uh, at Christmas, it, it's a joyful time. It is a gift that you have given us and I pray that we will enjoy every moment the, the food that we eat, the drinks that we drink, the gifts that we give and receive May God also fill us with a longing for the glory that is to come. And even this morning as I pray, somehow shine your light into the Luangwa Valley and make a church, a bright light shining in that dark place. And we thank you, Lord, this morning. We look forward to Jesus. The government will be on your shoulders and of the prosperity and rule of your kingdom, there will be no end. Let's worship him.